The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Great. All right, super job. Thank you for that. Take your Bible and go back, if you will. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 36. And Josie, who... Uh, by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. Here you'll see that there's the name mentioned, given to him by the apostles, by the name of Barnabas. If you were to take the name Barnabas and you were to look it up and do a word study on his particular name, it simply means pain, it means toil, it means torment, it means tossed. And so here was a man, no doubt, that went through some trials. You'll see that in just a moment. You'll see that he was a lonely man. Uh, you didn't see a lot of people gathering around him. You never saw him uh, in the crowds, fellowshipping in a great fashion. He was always in the background. He was always somebody, if you would please, uh, that was quiet. Uh, he was very reverent in the way that he portrayed himself among other people. But yet he did go through by a token of the fact that his namesake means uh, pain and toil, torment and toss. He did go through some turbulent times in his life. Uh, the same it was many years ago with Helen Keller. Uh, Helen Keller, of course, was born as a normal child, very normal in every aspect of life, but at 19 months old contracted a con uh, an acute uh, congestion of the stomach and of the brain left her not only uh, blind, not being able to see, but also not being able to hear. And uh, all the years of her life, she gave God the glory. Now, I'm sure that maybe there were some times uh, that she had down, despairing times in her life, but I can't find any recordings of that. All I find is her saying things like this, as she did as she was an older adult, that said, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them, I have found myself to do a greater work for God. And so we understand that when we uh, go through turbulent times, rough times, whatever the case may be, that even during those times we can encourage people. And we find this out, that Barnabas was just that type of person. Uh, he was the type of person that would give a kind word. He was the type of person that would encourage someone. He was the type of person that when he walked in the room, if it was gloomy, negative, and down, he would try to bring it uh, to at least a mid-cheerful position. And, uh, but now today, we don't have much kindness uh, being spread as uh, there's verbal wars all over the media and by the way if you're not careful you can get caught up in things like that so that it affects your very demeanor and the way that you uh, be able to interact with other people some people uh, keep the God-given personality that God has given them others develop it as they try to work with people and they try to sharpen themselves but may I say you ought never to be sharp you ought never to be critical. Uh, you ought to be a person, yes, stating the truth, but let the truth stand for itself. Many Christians uh, are very opinionated, I found. Uh, many are very self-centered. Uh, many, if you will, are very rude and sometimes even downright mean to other people. Uh, and uh, you don't see Barnabas doing that. Barnabas, of course, was called the son 
of consolation. The word son gives his reverential respect to his heavenly father. And so his lifestyle and his character resembled that which was his given choice definition of name, the son of consolation. The word consolation can also uh, be translated uh, into the word comforter. And so he was a, a comforter, much like the Holy Spirit is called in the book of John. He's the paraclete. He's the comforter that walks beside us. So was Barnabas. He was that way. And so Barnabas uh, was given a reputation named among the apostles. And he was known as a person uh, that was a kind individual. He was known as a person, if you would please, that was an encourager. So let's notice some things about him tonight. Can we do it? Statement number one, uh, he was an encourager uh, that reached out. And so we also ought to be an encourager that reaches out. You, uh, let's do a little Bible study tonight. It's always good to use your Bible. Uh, it's always good to bring your Bible. It's always good to look in your Bible and take notes from your Bible because we have not yet arrived. And so notice this, Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, the Bible says, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he assailed to join himself, Saul. Now this was the, the tormentor of Christianity this was the persecutor of the church oftentimes as you would study Saul before conversion uh, he was somebody if you would please that was just uh, trying to uh, go after the Christians oftentimes would stand in the back of a church house and would voice his opinion in the middle of somebody giving a lecture or somebody preaching or teaching he would stand up and cause havoc in the church. Oftentimes, as recorded, he would follow Christians back to their homes, and then he would take record of where they did live, only later to be able to have them arrested. Then he would appear in court to give uh, that which is accusations against them, making sure that they would wind up in prison, and many of them, of course, winding up dead. And this is that Saul. And so here Saul is in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. The Bible says, when Saul was come to Jerusalem, and sailed to join himself to the disciples. They were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now you can understand why. Uh, think of his reputation. Now all of a sudden this man with this grave reputation of harming and uh, harassing and even uh, giving witness against those Christians to the point of imprisonment and death, now he shows up among the apostles. What would you think if somebody of that nature, that caliber, and that reputation would show up in your presence. And so they were fearful of him. Look at verse 27. The Bible says in Acts 9, uh, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and, and that he had spoken uh, to him. Now listen, and that he had spoken to him, the Bible says, and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so you remember the story as Saul was walking down the Damascus road and he received Christ as Savior. And when he received Christ as Savior, God changed him from the inside out. Now he took the character that he had, uh, being that one that would uh, accuse and persecute Christians, to being that one that proclaimed the gospel and would preach Christ. And so God used him in a marvelous way. And you'll see, however, when he he comes all of a sudden those disciples those apostles here they are and they're scared
scared of him. But here comes Barnabas. Barnabas comes along, and what Barnabas does is unique, but also very good. So what he does is he espouses to that one that is lonely, and he says, okay, now wait a minute, as he says to the apostles, I saw him, I witnessed that he was one that preached boldly in Damascus. Oh yes, this is the same Saul, but uh, he preached boldly in Damascus, and so uh, he was going after, if you would please, the lonely one who was Saul at this time and bringing him into the presence of greatness, bringing him into the presence of the apostles. And so here we see something about Barnabas. Barnabas uh, was one uh, that reached out. He reached out to the person that was lonely. He reached out to the person that was misunderstood. He reached out to the person that was maybe uh, had some misinterpretation about him. He reached out to the person that would come to church and sit by himself. He reached out to the person, if you would please, that uh, uh, didn't go around to shake hands but kind of stood in their own place. Uh, he was the type of person that would reach out to people. And so he was an encourager to that which was the lonely. He espouses the lonely. Then you see this, that he embraces the discouraged. Uh, watch this. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, the Bible says, and, and uh, some days after Paul and Barnabas, uh, watch this, Paul, now he's known as Paul the preacher. Uh, he's established his own testimony at the reading of this verse, Acts chapter 15, verse 36. The Bible says, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit the brethren in every city uh, where uh, we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37, Acts chapter 15, the Bible says, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, we understand this. According to uh, chapter 15, verse 39, there was great contention between that which was uh, the apostle Paul and, and that which was Barnabas. And, and Paul decided he was going to take uh, with him uh, to go uh, to the place uh, of where he was going to preach in that second missionary journey. He was going to take Silas. And then uh, old Barnabas looked over, saw John Mark that had forsaken him on that first missionary journey and said, well, I'll take him. And so he took his cousin and said, let's go. And he's trying again. Here's what he's doing. He's reaching out. He's seeing somebody that's not accepted. He's seeing somebody that's not loved. Now, don't you thank God we have a bus ministry? Amen. Don't you thank God that people stay faithful in the bus ministry? Uh, they, they overcome uh, personal challenges just so they can help somebody and love somebody and encourage somebody. Aren't you glad that people sacrifice to be able to reach out and to be able to love uh, those that are sometimes lonely, that just don't uh, have the love at home that you might have the love at your house. Uh, sometimes don't have the understandable type of parents that you have at your house. And they go to a public school where uh, Christ is denied and a Bible is kicked out and prayer is no longer welcome. And yet they themselves, being a believer, want to stand for Christ so that others can come to know Christ as their Savior. And so they try to live a life that is above reproach, to be a, a bright testimony to a lost and dying world. And can I tell you, uh, uh, they are the heroes of our generation. I mean, these are the heroes that stand. These 
These are the heroes that go. And boy, thank God for every public school kid uh, that goes to a public school that stands for God. Thank God for every Christian school kid uh, that goes to a Christian school that doesn't turn worldly, that stands for God. Thank God for those that are homeschoolers uh, that decide to try and live for God and to go forward to serve God. Can I tell you, thank God for every college student that goes into a secular school where uh, the teachers try uh, to get you swayed so that you will change and yet you have a definition uh, that is called uh, 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 living for Christ that stands behind the word Christian and you try to live for God. Hey, uh, thank God for you. You're an encouragement to somebody. Down at the workplace when nobody names the name of God and you name the name of God, you're an encouragement to somebody. Uh, you're an encouragement to that one person that doesn't know Christ and that one person that needs to hear the gospel and yet you stand up and you give the gospel. You are an encouragement to somebody. And by the way, this did not happen before Saul got saved. Uh, this happened after Saul got saved and there ought to be something that happens inside of your life and inside of my life after we receive Christ as our Savior and thank God uh, there's a Savior that changes us from the inside out you don't have to be the same all the time you can put on that new man you can be able to take and go forward and serve God and you can thank God there's people that encourages others by simply reaching out uh, years ago, there was a fellow by the name of uh, Dr. Uh, Richard Haverson. Dr. Richard Haverson uh, was the Senate chaplain, and he represented Christians. And there in Congress, uh, when they took prayer out of the public school system, preachers rallied from around the corners of the globe, and they marched on Washington and said, we want to restore prayer back in uh, to uh, the public schools. And Congress denied them uh, the effort to be able Able to do that and and uh, dr. Uh, Haverson said this to those that gathered he said I, I'm just kind of curious you want prayer back in the public school he said and that's good that's good not just to have prayer in church but get the prayer in the public view and in the public eye and in the public wares uh, uh, that's where prayer ought to be he said but I'm just curious all you preachers that came to um, DC and you're concerned about prayer getting back in the public schools I want you to be honest with me be honest with me be honest with me how how many of you prayed for your own children this week? Not one of those preachers raised their hand that they prayed for their own children that week. Can I tell you that uh, where we need great revival and where we need God to work is in our hearts. Because if we get God helping us and working in our hearts, it changes us. And that's exactly what happened to Paul. Uh, Paul wasn't this way before salvation, but Paul decided that, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to let God reign, and I'm going to let God have his way. But there never, I submit to you, would have been an apostle Paul like there was an apostle Paul if there wasn't a Barnabas. 
Somebody that was quiet, somebody that wasn't looking for attention, somebody that wasn't looking for a pat on the back. They didn't need public praise. They didn't need somebody to write them a letter of recognition. They didn't need somebody to take and pull them up on the platform and give them some type of presentation. They didn't need an award. All they knew is they're going to serve Jesus Christ and give Jesus Christ everything that they have. And it doesn't matter what the people say about them. They're still going to do it. What was he doing? He was encouraged those that are without he was reaching those that were without and by the way you'll see Barnabas did the same thing about John Mark you know uh, it takes uh, it takes somebody special stand it takes somebody special to encourage somebody that's in leadership but can I be honest with you that's not hard if they're maintaining faithfulness it's not hard because when you encourage them, by the way, whether you do or not, they're still going to be faithful. Now, they appreciate the encouragement. They appreciate the pats on the back and the applause. They appreciate the amens. They appreciate all that. But it takes a whole lot more to encourage somebody. Uh, come here, Jordan. It takes a whole lot more to encourage somebody. Let's say that all of a sudden Jordan starts walking like a crazy man and starts getting all whirly and, and all this stuff. And, 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 you know, and he gets all attitude and stuff like that. It, it takes a whole lot more. You're not going to do that, are you? You're already doing it. Uh, all right. And so, but it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll go over here. Uh, now, watch this, if you will. Here's what we understand. We understand this, that uh, it takes a whole lot more to try and encourage somebody when you do not know how they're going to receive it. John Mark apparently went back home. Now, we don't know why. Maybe because he was discouraged. Maybe because he was homesick. Maybe because he got physically sick. Maybe he was not mentally ready for the journey. We don't know why. We do know this, that the Bible makes it very clear that he went home. And we do know this, that his cousin, who was Barnabas, had a burden for him, uh, for his, uh, his uncle, rather. Barnabas had a burden for his nephew. And so what he was trying to do is to reach into his life to try and help. Oh, you say, but relatives ought to do that. But not all relatives do do that. I think you ought to be concerned for your blood kin. But here's what we have. Uh, we have people It's in uh, our church. I said in our church that when somebody in your family backslides, you're afraid to tell them the truth because you're afraid that you're going to offend them. But what you don't understand is that the truth goes deeper than that which is your compliments of ill-fated uh, non-truth. We, we understand that uh, it's easy to encourage somebody that's at it, but it's difficult when you don't know how somebody's going to receive it. He didn't know how John Mark would receive it. All he knew is, hey, uh, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out to that which is Saul, and, uh, who became the apostle Paul, and I'm going to reach out to that which is uh, 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 John Mark, and I'm going to just keep reaching out and keep reaching out, and he did that. Don't forget, uh, there at Jerusalem, the big church where he came from, over in Antioch, there were having a revival a church at Jerusalem did not believe that it could be possible and so they looked out among themselves found Barnabas said you go down and check it out when he went down and checked it out he reported back to the church at Jerusalem he said they are having a revival God is working and he encouraged them to keep it up what is that that's an encourager that's reaching out 
As we reach out, we can help people and uh, encourage people. Sometimes all it takes is a word. Sometimes all it takes is a sentence. Sometimes all it takes is a paragraph. Sometimes all it takes is a smile. Sometimes all it takes is a handshake. Sometimes all it takes is a pat on the back. Sometimes all it takes is a text. Sometimes all it takes is an email. Sometimes all it takes is a letter. But I'm saying that tonight uh, our church ought to be known as a church that simply encourages. Statement number next. Thank you, Jordan. Watch this, if you will. You'll see that Paul is getting ready to die. This is amazing to me. Paul is getting ready to die. He's there in Rome getting ready to die. And uh, he asked for only one person to come see him. He changed his mind about John Mark. And he said uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, he said, send me John Mark. Send me Mark. By the way, uh, it was because that Barnabas encouraged him. You'll see this, that God greatly used John Mark. Why? Because there's Matthew in the Gospels. There is Mark, Luke, and John. You would not have the book of Mark in the Gospels had it not been for a Barnabas that encouraged John Mark. I'm saying this. I'm saying uh, don't ever think that it, it's just not important to encourage somebody. Uh, on the authority of God's word tonight, I'm saying that it is important that you encourage people. Amen. What do you do? You encourage them by reaching out. Statement number next. You encourage them by reaching up. Somebody has to be the example. You say, but not everybody's living for God. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. Amen. Not everybody's staying true. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 37, and this is uh, after he's being introduced, if you would please, and known by the apostles. The Bible says having land, this is talking about Barnabas, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, where a person invests is normally where their heart's going to be found. Where their treasure is, that's where their heart is. Uh, somebody said, well, I'll tell you what, I love the church. I love the church. Let me see your checkbook, and I'll tell you how much you love the church. I love the ministries. I love soul winning. Funny, somebody says, I love soul winning. That's wonderful. How often do you go? Well, I don't go, but I love it. Sometimes we back ourselves into corners by our own words. The first impression we see of Barnabas is here's a man that's giving uh, the very first impression after he's being the very first impression after he's being introduced to the apostles is the fact that he was willing to sell his own land and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet because he believed in that which is uh, the enhancement of the work of God. Now, can I tell you, we all want the work of God and we should all want the work of God to be important. May I remind you, dear friend, it was important enough for Christ to establish the church. It ought to be important enough for us to make sure that the church uh, be able to go forward. So he was an encourager that enhanced the work of God. He was an encourager uh, that exalts the work of God. Here's what we see. The Bible says in uh, rather, Acts chapter... Uh, <laughs> Did you like that one? Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. The Bible says, Who when he, when he had came, it says, When he came, he had seen the grace of God. The Bible says, And was glad and exhorted them all with one purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. So here he is at Antioch. What's he doing? He's exhorting them. He exalts them for what they're doing. And he's saying, Keep it up. 
Keep it up. And by the way, listen to me. If you gave out a gospel track this past week to anyone, keep it up. You say, I've not led anybody to Christ all month. I'm not letting anybody to Christ all year long. But if you gave out a gospel track, you've done a great job. Amen. Keep it up. Can I tell you, uh, it is important for us uh, not just to enhance the work of God, but to exalt the word of God, work of God. Then this, uh, he, you see that he uh, was employed to do the work of God. I, I like this. He, here he was uh, as they looked out, who could we send? Who could we send? Who could we send down to Antioch? Uh, and they trusted somebody because here was a giver. Here was somebody that was all in and they sent him down. Uh, later you'll find out that when he saw that a great revival was taking place over to Antioch, he had a burden to go back and to train them. They were all new believers. So all of a sudden, God places Saul in his heart. So he leaves Antioch, goes back to Jerusalem, gives them the report, leaves Jerusalem, goes all the way back over to Tarshish, where Saul is, he picked up Tarshish, went all the way back over to Antioch, taking Saul of Tarshish with him. Why? To be able to spend two years at Antioch uh, helping those new believers to develop. What was he doing? He again was reaching, but he was reaching up asking God, how can I help the more? One thing to go soldering by yourself, another thing take somebody with you and help them the more you know they say this they say that Sunday school teachers know the Bible better than the pupils why is that true because you have to study it you have to dig you have to memorize you're forced into an area of prayer I think in our church with as many servants of God that we have we'll have people staying at the door saying I want to be a Sunday school teacher I want to be a Sunday school teacher let me be a Sunday school teacher let me give more to children and teenagers and adults let me try let me help you know because you're gonna grow even more then you'll see this he was an encourager uh, to all that was around him but as he returned as he returned uh, to Jerusalem as he gave the good report, as now he's going to go back over to Antioch and help, and stops off in uh, Tarshish to pick up Saul, goes over to Antioch, that's when Saul began to develop. See, you can be an encourager simply by reaching up, asking God who you can help, then putting your feet to it, and in working, it takes work. When he went over to that which was Tarshish, he didn't have an address on Saul. The Bible says that he went there and he found him. He had to look for him. He didn't know where he lived. He had to search him out. That's work. If you want to help somebody grow, you're going to have to reach up and ask the God of heaven, what can I do? How can I help that person? What can I do? How can I encourage that person? Can I tell you, dear friend, many times Christians come to church and that's all they do. Oh, they don't bring anybody to church. They don't invite anybody to church. They just come. But God's got more for you than that. There's people out there that you can care about. Let me give you one last thing and I'm done. He was an encourager that reaches out. He was an encourager that reaches up. This is amazing to me, and I'm done. Here it is. You see that he exemplifies Christ. Acts chapter 11 and verse 24. The Bible says, and he was a good man. 
full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Now why? Because he was just a normal fella. Now I'm telling you, you never heard a Barnabas preach a sermon. He never pastored a church. Never held a great revival. I don't see places in the Bible where you even see him leading people to Christ. But here's what he was. He was right there helping those believers. Encouraging those. Loving those. Mentoring those. You know, sometimes it's good just to uh, go about and en encourage people. Where you go and say, hey, look. And sometimes it's good for other people to do it rather than just the preacher. For some reason, everybody expects the preacher to call them if they miss. For some reason, uh, all the bus riders expect the bus captain to call them, check on them if they miss. They expect the Sunday school teacher to call and check on them if they miss. Why can't other believers get involved in that? It ought to be when somebody goes to the hospital. You being such an encourager as you. You say, I'm not, I'm not been a member of the church long. I know people that's done this before they ever became members. They find people that's in the hospital. And they go visit them. Not even members of our church. Just to encourage them. Say, preacher, I'm busy. I know, again, it takes work, takes time. But I can't, I'm working all the time. You shoot a text. You can make a phone call. I'm saying we need more encouraging people. When's the last time you went up to somebody and said, I just thank God you're here? Oh, you say, but preacher, I tell you, mm -mm, mm -mm, he's not or she's not just like I am. And they will never be just like you are. And some of us can say, thank God. <laughs> but everybody needs encouragement. Everybody does. Now, don't you be one of these sorry Christians that's always waiting for somebody to encourage you. Don't do that. I always wonder, and I'm not getting on to anybody uh, personally, but because I don't know if anybody does it. But I will tell you this. I would worry about somebody that uh, come handshaking time, they're always locked in their little 18 inches of pew, and they just believe they need to be served rather than serving. Sometimes you ought to walk around your area and encourage somebody that sits in your area. Just go up to them, shake their hand, say, I'm glad you're here. Hello? <laughs> you smell their breath, you can give them a cert and say, I'm glad you're here. Here you go. I've had people do that to me. They come up to me after church and they say, Preacher, I'm so glad. And they say, here you go. I said, thank you so much. I need it, don't I? And they say, uh-huh. that uh, an encourager he, he exemplifies Christ let me give you one last thing I'm here it is and the encourager here's what he does uh, uh, he, he uh, exhibits if you would please joy even though he's in a trial you know sometimes you can tell 
when somebody goes through a trial. One thing, I'm, I'm, I'm going to brag on him just a wee bit, but uh, Jonathan, when he cut his finger off out here, I was in the office, and he said, Dad, come quick. I go out in the hall when he's bleeding everywhere, you know, and, and I said, okay, let's go. And uh, Brother uh, Butler was there, and he ran in and got him some, uh, some uh, wet uh, paper towels. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, and I said, okay, let's go. So I took him down to the hospital. And, 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 and I'm driving kind of fast, and, and uh, I had my emergencies on. And uh, the truck that the Lord gave me through the church members, I can testify. I know it gets up to 90. <laughs> So I, I had to, you say, why would you do that? Well, the boy just cut his finger off. I was hoping a policeman would pull in front of me and give me an escort, but no, no, no. And then there had to be somebody in a little bitty Toyota. Uh, it was that little bitty Toyota. My big old Chevy truck could have just run it over. But that little bitty Toyota, and they're just kind of scooting along. I'm, I'm beating my horn a little bit. They didn't get out of the way. I'm switching my lights. They didn't get out of the way. And finally, I just laid on the horn, pulled right up behind. They got the message. <laughs> they pulled over, and they got out of the way. All right, and then we buzzed in down, down there at the hospital. Now, uh, but, uh, you know, Jonathan, he's a worker, you know, and, and here he is, and, and the doc's coming in, sewing him up and, and stitching him up and all that. And he looked at the doctor and said, you almost done? He said, I got things to do. I said, Jonathan, you just got your finger cut off. I think you ought to take the rest of the day off. Oh, I can't take the rest of the day off. I've got things I need to do. I said, well, I think you need to take the rest of the day off. You know, I mean, you just cut your finger off, son. You know, take the rest of the day off. And, and of course, then the drugs kicked in, and he's walking around, and he's, you know, I think I'll take the rest of the day off. You know, and, and, and then, you know, I, but, 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 you know, the smile just never left. I mean, especially after they juiced him. Now, but I, I'm saying this, even doing trials, hello, even doing, look, some of you, they gave him that finger, brother, brother Ginger and, and uh, brother, uh, brother May, brother Ginger and brother May, they gave him that finger. Well, you know, he's not overly sensitive. He's not, he tried to put it on. But some people get easily offended. Well, I can't believe, don't they understand the seriousness of it? Now I've got a finger, I'm going to miss about an inch off of it right here and stuff like that. Well, I told him, I said, when you're preaching a message that is not so pointed, you can use the short one. But if you're preaching one that's hot and heavy, use the long one. But it's something that if you, can, if you can laugh when you're in the trials. And sometimes we need to learn to laugh when, okay, so you get a flat tire. You going outside kicking the tire is not going to help it. You get a flat tire and you go out there and use these non-Christian words. That's not going to help it. It's not. It is not going to help it. You know, you get mad. I, I know men. I know men. They get mad and 
Uh, we had a boy years ago in the academy and he got mad. He went outside and he punched the tree. <laughs> Knuckles all messed up, punched the tree. I got with the boy. I'm not going to say his name, Alex. I promise you I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> but he punched that tree. And I said, son, you think you hurt that tree? His knuckles, you remember that? I know you do. His knuckles all messed up right there. And I, I said, was it worth it? And he said, no. Uh, hello? Uh, now, I'm saying this. I, I'm saying that sometimes when the trials come, when the trials come, you just have to learn to, to smile and go through the trials. Can I tell you, normally trials are not lifetime. You will make it through. You said, that's not true. Let me tell you who I married. I've had people tell me that in, in marriage counseling. Well, you know, she is or he is the trial of my life. And I said, well, you, you can make it through. Come on, if you put apple butter on bread, it tastes good. Now, you can make it through. Maybe you ought to try to sweeten it up a little bit yourself. Look, if you're a sour note, nobody wants to sing it. Now, I'm saying this. Here it is, and I've got to quit. There's trials. Watch this. Here it is. I'll read you just a couple of verses. Acts chapter 13, verse 49. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. And the Jews, look at verse 15, or at least listen to it, Acts 13. But the Jews uh, stirred up the, uh, the uh, devout and noble women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. The Bible says in verse 51, and they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came, it says, to Iconium. And the Bible says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with, why, what do you mean filled with joy? They just got kicked out of the city. They, they've been uh, expelled out of the entire coast. And now they're joyful. And here's what they do. They just shake it off of their feet. By the way, that tells you what to do when a trial comes. Well, a trial comes, and what do you do? You just say, well, it's okay, it's all right. I think I'll just shake that off and just keep a going. Amen. Now, I'm saying this. He knew how to make it through the trials. Everybody in this room, no doubt, and I'm done, everybody in this room has had trials in your life. Trials will either make you you. Trials will either cause you to get bitter or trials will cause you to get better. It really depends on your relationship with your heavenly father. If you go deep with the Lord, you'll always come up on top side. If you go shallow with the Lord, you get your feelings hurt. Well, so-and-so talked, and somebody told me, well, so-and-so talked bad about me, preacher. What should I do? My Bible says you ought to rejoice when you're persecuted. Yeah. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed. That means happy. So if somebody persecutes you, smile. Say, what good is that going to get me? Oh, I don't know, but I'll tell you this, it makes you feel better. Well, somebody said something bad about me. It's probably true. 
And if they knew you as much as you are, they probably could have said worse. So thank God they only said what they saw and not what you know. I'm saying this. I'm saying he was an encourager. Uh, he wasn't boisterous. If I had Barnabas sitting on the front row, he'd be dressed a little bit different than you. But if I had Barnabas sitting on the front row, he'd probably smell a little bit different than you. If I had Barnabas sitting on the front row, I'd say, hey, come on up here, Barnabas. I want to talk to you. I, I want you to get up here and, uh, Barnabas, what I want you to do, I go ahead and preach. He'd say, I'd rather not do that. I'd just rather not do that. Don't ask me to do that. That's embarrassing to me. Don't ask me to do that. I'd rather die. But during handshaking time, he'd be going around checking on everybody. How you doing? How you doing? By the way, do you notice this? The people that don't reach out to others are normally the people that complain that nobody's reaching into them. It's true. Well, I don't have no friends. Well, become friendly. Go around, shake hands, smile. You say, well, my, my teeth are crooked. Well, fix them. And smile. Well, you got bad breath. Well, don't breathe on them. But smile. I, I think sometimes we're just, mm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, we're so stuffy. We are just so stuffy. You know, you know, you just come to, it's just real stuffy, you know, just... You got, you're pretending to be that perfect Christian, and yet if, if I talk to your husband, I already know it's not true. If I talk to your wife, I already know it's not true. You say, well, I'm supposed to put on my best at church. Well, I, I agree with that, so don't curse here. Smile and shake hands. But at the same time, be friendly. Encourage people. Somebody gets up to sing, you did a great job. What if they didn't do a great job? That was great what you did. That blessed my heart. I hear young preachers get up to preach. I try and give them a compliment every single time. Man, that was great the way you emphasized that truth. Now, or, or that was super. Man, I love the way that you took and out. That, that was neat, man. That was good stuff. Man, that time when you stomped, woo, I didn't see that one coming. That was good. Keep it up. Somebody gets up and they play the piano. They're already, uh, if they make a mistake, they're already embarrassed. Don't go up to them after church. Well, I heard that you blew it. I was sitting right there. <laughs> they already know they blew it. You could encourage them, say, hey, look, man, i tell you what, uh, you did a whole lot better than I did. And it's something, the critics are the ones that don't do it. You can't even play the piano. You're going to criticize somebody that missed one note. you crazy. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, uh, be that encourager. Be that encourager. Now, work on it. Work on it. Work on it. Somebody misses church. There ought to be a bunch of you to text them and say, sure did miss you at church, sure do love you. I'm praying for you. Amen. Somebody gets in the hospital. We ought to gather. You know, there ought to be so many people going to visit people in the hospital. The hospital shake their head and said, who is that? Are they like a governor or something? <laughs> so I don't know them that well. What does that matter? Paul didn't know Saul. 
He just saw a fellow needed help. Paul didn't know Saul. Paul did know Saul. Now, if I'd hadn't said that, you wouldn't have caught it. But Barnabas, he, he, didn't, he didn't know Saul, but he encouraged him. Sure he did. See, you can encourage people before you get to know them deep. You sure can. Father bless, we pray. Thank you for church. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.